This is Elise McGannon, and welcome to the Share Chair Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I had the luck to get to know sophomore at Loyola University Chicago, Claire Killian. Claire's family runs an NGO, a non-governmental organization, based in Uganda, and we get to hear Claire's incredible stories and also gain some insight on mission trips, the ways in which sustainability is tied to relationships, and how important and vast the word love is. Stay tuned. Today we have Claire Killian on the Share Chair podcast. Thank you so much for coming and talking with us. I'm so excited to hear more about Uganda specifically Mm -hmm. and just about your major, which sounds really interesting. You're majoring and minoring in. Um, My major is international studies in Spanish. I'm also pre med. Awesome. So you're um, a sophomore here at Loyola University. Yes. And those are that's what you're studying. Can you talk a little bit more about like what drew you to Loyola? Yeah, sure. What initially drew me to Loyola was, well, besides like the city, was just like the diversity that it brings to the city and like the fact that we get to live in such a diverse place. And I think Chicago is really set apart from other like major cities in the United States because of that. Um, like our neighbor neighborhoods and like all that kind of stuff. Everything's just so like separate but also mixed in um and coming from st louis which is like also a city but it's way less diverse um that was really really important to me in coming to chicago that you're from st louis yeah can you talk about like growing up there and just about your family and like what makes them up and everything i was born in st louis i've always lived in st louis um my mom's from the east coast so she moved to st louis in high school but she was born in new york and then my dad's from like a really small town in southern Missouri called Perryville. Like I've always had like that small town kind of vibe in my family. Um, my town is super family oriented. It's called Kirkwood. It's like a suburb basically. Um, it's super like everybody knows everybody. It was a great place to grow up. Like I really loved it. I definitely don't want to live there like when I'm an adult. Um, but it was like one of the I couldn't have asked for a better town to grow up in. And then I have my parents, my mom, and my dad. My dad's a pediatrician in St. Louis, and my mom is a music teacher at the school that I went to for fifth through eighth grade, Christ mm-hmm. Community Lutheran School. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my sister is a junior yeah I had to think about that my sister's a junior at Kirkwood High School and my brother is a in eighth grade my brother's adopted so that's like one of the biggest parts that like makes up my family like makes us unique um and I always love sharing his story and stuff so would you mind sharing that? yeah of course so he's from St. Louis um but his birth mother was um severely addicted to drugs um had um, was in and out of relationships all the time. Um, one of the, your like typical like adopted child situation, which is like, it's sad to say that, but um, it's it was a pretty standard situation. And um, we were placed with him when I was eight years old. He was two and a half. Um, we met him first um, in June when I was eight years old. And he lived with us for about three months, no, more than that until November of that year um, before we officially adopted him and we officially adopted him on November 16th I believe of that year he's black he's um, very obviously adopted and so um, especially lately that's been really interesting to like work with through our family just in seeing him growing up and really wrestling with what it means to be black in our world right now um, but also what it means to live with a white family Um, especially in a town like Kirkwood um, it's pretty not very diverse Um, it's very small town you know Missouri so 
And obviously St. Louis is in the news all the time for race relation type things. Do you and your family have com like open conversations about race within the household often? Or? Yeah, we talk about it a lot actually. And like um, ever since coming here, I've gotten like a lot more involved in like those kinds of discussions. And so like bringing that home has been really interesting. You know, we, we always talk about like, you know, composure at school, like what it means to be black, uh, 13 years old in middle school. It's like, that's a whole nother world. And so we, we try to keep it as open as possible. My parents are just so wonderful about like making sure he can always talk to them about that stuff. And while we can never really experience what he's experiencing, we're, we're like still like walking with him through that. Um, and it actually has taught us to like sort of check our own privilege and like check, you know, where do we stand in this whole situation? We try to talk about it as much as we can because that's the only way it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, it's just by making sure we're really respectful to each other when we, totally. you know, asking questions, talking about it. Have there been any specific moments where you have to check your privilege or do you remember any specific ones? We have to keep in mind that, like, for my, my parents at least, like, me and my sister will always have different opportunities available and like yeah. we even though like we are we're women so like we sort of we there's that aspect as Absolutely. well um but no matter what we're still white and so that is always going to affect us differently yeah um and i've already seen it affect chad and that breaks my heart like in a public school setting i've already seen it um, affect him. You had mentioned um, your major and your minor. Do you mm -hmm. want to talk about those a little bit and just what you're studying here at Loyola? My like main thing initially was pre-med. So I came in as a bio major because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do yet. Okay. Um, and then I was like, no, literally everyone that's pre-med is also a bio major. <laughs> and this is not what I want. Like I don't want to only be doing science the rest of my life. So I switched to international studies after I did some more research about the major. But this was only like two weeks into freshman year. So <laughs> So I'm an international studies major and I'm also a Spanish major. What are your dreams for the future? What do you yeah. want to do? Sort of like still kind of deciding what I like literally want to do with my life. Um, I'm kind of like deciding to go either the pre-med route, stay that, or focus on um, other areas of healthcare such as medical anthropology, global and public health. I've been looking more into like the maybe like more like the education and advocacy type route. I haven't I haven't decided yet, but so with that, whenever someone asks me like, what's your dream for life or whatever, I always think like, oh, I want to, I never want to live in one place. I want to live and work abroad. I want to work with people in vulnerable situations, particularly women, hopefully. Um, I would love to like live permanently in the third world, in the global south. Um, I've learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about um, non-governmental organizations, intergovernmental organizations, um, things like the UN, World Health Organization, those type of like branching, overarching um, service organizations. I just really know that's where I belong in this world. Do you have any like specific NGOs, non-governmental organizations that you might be interested in or any that you just admire? I've done like a lot of like personal research, I guess, about ones, other ones in Uganda, since I know Uganda really well. Um, and I absolutely admire, here's a little shout out. I like absolutely admire this woman named Katie Davis. Okay. Um, she founded Amazima Ministries when she was our age. Um, right after she had gone, I've read, she has another book that just came out. I read her first book called Kisses from Katie. Okay. Um, 
and I resonated with the book more than I have with any other like piece of literature I've ever read and then her new one she just came out with another one daring to hope okay yeah so that's new she was on the today show the other day she's getting kind of more popular here in the united states but she lives cool. permanently in uganda how that you've you and your family have done immersive volunteer work mm-hmm. in uganda um can you just talk about that a little bit like how it started and just i guess some general basics my family has a non-governmental organization a 501c3 is what like the term is um it's called christ community international incorporated um it was founded in 2013 um and it was basically to continue a already existing 10-year-long mission in this village Kuwait, uganda um the predecessors that came before us they um, worked closely with local partners in uganda to set up um a lutheran school in this community um called christ community lutheran school uganda um During the initial development of all of that, they worked really closely with Christ Community Lutheran School in St. Louis, where my mom works and where me and my siblings went to school for four years. Um, And other like groups or like individual donors throughout St. Louis. School building was completed in 2010 and it's a primary school. So that's nursery students, which is like our preschool through primary seven, which is like eighth grade. So it's a primary school. We have uh, over 300 students now, um, but it's grown exponentially since we first started. Um, There's a medical clinic on the campus, a girls dormitory, a boys dormitory. We have like a bunch of land and they farm it to um, continue self-sustainability at the school. Mm. And we also have a well that we had built for it's like right outside the school so it's it's for anyone who can use it it's just for the community at large mm-hmm. our main focus is sharing spiritual educational nutritional medical and economic development with these people um our main purpose is to build relationships with yeah. them um growing together um sharing each other's experiences mm-hmm. learning about our cultures dad is the medical director so he does okay. um yeah so he does all the medical care while he's there mm-hmm. um But otherwise, year-round, they have a a nurse who works at the school. Um, All the teachers are Ugandan. It's completely staffed by Ugandans, and we feel that's um, extremely important to the children's education, that they're being educated by their own people. Um, It's not our job to teach them. It's their school. This is technically an NGO then, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, cool. So how, and it's owned by your family? Yeah. How does that, um, if if this is, makes sense or if you know sort of how to answer mm-hmm. it, like how does that, how did that work or how do you kind of organize yeah. like becoming the owner of that and running that and like having the money to fund that and yeah. things like that? Um, so logistically it is um, pretty, di- it's like hard to get them up and started, but ours is fairly small. Um, okay. And so it, there's a lot of like legal paperwork that you have to go through. I'm not like positive on all the names of like the different kind of paperwork things. Yeah. Um, but 501c3 is like the title of like the organization and that just means it's tax deductible so anyone who donates to us or any money that we get is not um, taxable it's tax deductible so um, funding though is like with any NGO you can ask anyone funding is like the most difficult part Mm. Um, we fully fund the school we pay all the teachers um, the nurse we pay the social worker, et cetera, and um, we typically will pay for, you know, 
in the spur of the moment, this needs to be done or like this thing needs to happen. Yeah. We do various um, fundraisers throughout the year um, to, you know, um, upkeep, upkeep of just like regular funding. Mm-hmm. So I know that your family is going to yeah. Uganda later this week or very yeah. soon or something like mm-hmm. that um, and that you guys go very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just explain kind of what you guys do when you do go? My parents and the team are going on Monday, actually. Um, so th- my my parents go twice a year, in the fall and then in the spring. Um, and they usually take a team of, you know, usually a, someone from our board of directors will go. Um, my parents, maybe usually another medical professional or two, um, some teachers, occasionally a pastor okay. who's involved. Um, other teenagers have gone. I've I've actually only been twice, technically. Oh, okay. I like talk like I've been way more, which I feel like I've been more than that. When we go, it we stay in the same like motel hotel thing every single time. Um, we have like really really close relationships with the people that we see, you know, regularly. Um, so it's always I feel like every time or both times I went, even the first time when I hadn't been before, I felt like I was visiting old friends, um, and I think that is something that really sets us apart maybe from other organizations or volunteer experiences that students can get involved in that relationship really is important and it's real it's not false it's not fake it's not um you know it's not you're not trying too hard like i really do feel like i'm visiting old friends but every day we go to the village usually there's a different like focus for every day um some of our like usual things are my dad always he goes to the clinic he does the medical work he'll usually see upwards of 60 to 80 patients a day which here in the united states he'll usually see no more than 20 25 that's a lot um so people just line up to see him and um moms will bring their babies and moms come to get checked out and like there's always and then there's always like a serious medical condition that we take care of while we're there we have another like day-to-day thing is we have um like a third ish of the students are sponsored by people here in the united states to go to school so that's like one of our biggest missions is like making sure we really connect with the sponsored children um i know each and every one of them by name i know their stories for the most part sponsorship is like 250 dollars for um one child to go to school for a year um wow that's and it also yeah sounds it's, like nothing right it's yeah. crazy and it includes um if they live in the dormitory it includes that mm. um it includes a meal every day uniforms and school supplies to our perspective 250 dollars is not not a lot in the grand scheme of things like we both know how much we're paying to go to school here um don't even don't remind me right exactly <laughs> impact that some that $250 can have on a child is yeah. is absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Um, and we're always looking for new yes. sponsors. So if, you know, if anyone can, wants and to. Can, anybody can sign up. Literally yeah, anyone you know. can sponsor a child. Um, it is on our website. The information okay. about how to get started to sponsor a child is on our website. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Which will be linked, of course, yes. to anyone who's interested. <laughs> and I know that you sponsor a child, Patience. Yeah, that that's correct? her name. Awesome. Cool. So yes. do you want to talk about Patience a of little course, bit and your relationship with her? <laughs> yeah. So I actually got started sponsoring her through my dance team. I think I started when I was a junior, before I had even met Patience. So I was on dance team in high school and I was like, oh, we should sponsor a kid and my mom gave me the ones that gave me the pictures of the children that still needed sponsors. And I was like, oh, like, I'll just pick this one. So we raised the money 
to sponsor her for that year and then when I went in the spring of this year of that junior year um I brought pictures of us I brought a video of us saying hi to her we all wrote her letters and I put them all in like a binder um and I brought that all to her kind of a peculiar child she's really really shy um she doesn't talk a lot she's really really sweet calm very quiet um and she lives really really far away from the school so the first time when I was there like I didn't see her for like the first three days we were there and I was like where's patience where's patience I was getting really like upset because I didn't know where she was I didn't see her for like she didn't come to school for like three days and I was like what's happening it was like I was kind of confused I didn't really I hadn't grasped the culture yet completely and able to really understand what was going on um but when I find I finally met her it was like out of a movie like it was insane she just like was coming up behind me actually and my mom was like Claire, Claire like that's patience this is patience my mom had been before um and I was like I immediately started crying I was like this is patience like I felt like I was in the presence of like a celebrity or something yeah. I like immediately felt like I had known her my whole life um I felt like this like older sister type bond with her and she didn't speak very good English yet um but enough that we could it, the language barrier almost doesn't even matter. She is like doing insanely well. The first time I met her, she was like super scrawny, really tiny. Mm. Um, she, her like smile has gotten brighter. She's just, she's so happy. She's doing decently in school. Yeah. How old is she? And like what? Yeah. Grade is she over? She's there? ten. Okay. She, ish. You know. Yeah. Um, they are okay. not always positive on their birthdays. She's about ten. Um, she's in primary three, which is about third grade. You've mentioned a few times. Um, about their culture yeah. and respecting that and sort of like becoming used to it mm -hmm. because it seems as if it's very different from yeah. over here. Um, so do you mind kind of explaining like what at least you have learned from your perspective yeah. their culture um, can mean in, at least in light of your life and compared mm -hmm. to you? I just like I love learning about their culture and like other cultures that are like very like vastly different from ours. Um, but theirs is, if and if I've learned anything, it's um, how important people are. And like, that sounds really like abstract and weird, um, but we always say like, they don't have phones, they don't have laptops, they don't have Netflix, they don't have um, a big city like this to go run around and play in. Like they don't have like, so their relationships with each other have another layer to them that I don't see here. They unconditionally love each other, no matter if they know each other or not. And I think um, going there and immersing yourself and also continuously going back every year, yeah. um, especially your parents going back every mm -hmm. year, multiple times a year, is the only way that you can right. get to know other people and the way that they live and how it differs right. from your own. That's so, so important to our organization. We um usually try to have the same people go back every time mm. we obviously always love when new people get to experience it um but members of the team we typically try to have well and like you always want to go back you go yeah. once you can't stop going Absolutely. so that is like hugely important to consistently introducing the same people to them um because we aren't we never ever want it to be us to them. It's always us and 
us together. together and it's we're all us instead of being we're coming over to you i know that there are um like a common tradition or action that mm -hmm. many organizations or institutions within the united states of america take mm -hmm. are mission trips yeah um so whether it's through a church through a school institutions like that um mission trips from at least from a very common perspective are a temporary yeah maybe once like a a week long or a two week long even months long yeah um but like kind of like a one-time thing right so students go or people from that institution go and they do volunteer work quotations right. around volunteer work um and those have become more controversial as yeah. things have progressed through the years right um and i think that they can be very problematic i agree <laughs> given circumstances and not to offend anybody no, yeah. who has been on a mission trip um but i think acknowledging like how they have changed over the years yeah. is super important whenever i talk about like what we do or you know this cci for short um i like absolutely hate calling it a mission trip yeah. because um i feel like that is something you do you know, your senior year of high school, everyone goes because you have to. Um, I don't, okay, I don't want to be like, that's not necessarily across the board true at all. But nowadays, a lot of mission trips are getting the bad rap of being very, temp I like the word you said, temporary. Um, and for our world to be more connected, a temporary um, volunteer work situation is not what they, not what people who are, in experiencing in poverty need. Obviously, I am not the authority on people in poverty because I'm not Im impoverished whatsoever. Um, and so I always have to remind myself, like, it is not my experience, so I can never really speak for another person. Learning about other organizations, learning about things such as slum tourism, such as um, volunteerism, things like that, it like it makes me really angry actually um because i really really can see like the harmful effects of things like that on communities um and actually i watched this documentary on netflix another shout out um it's called poverty inc it focuses a lot on um, the economic um harmful economic effects that um volunteerism and other like governmental or non-governmental organizations um can have on communities in the global south which is what they're calling the third world academically they call it the global south it just further perpetuates this idea that it's us and them yeah. and that them benefits from us they benefit from us there it's doesn't need to be like that it shouldn't be like that um it is actually really harmful to economies to be like that also like mission work implies um like evangelizing and mm -hmm. i personally i can't really speak for anyone else but personally don't like that i don't believe in evangelizing what does that mean exactly yeah evangelizing is basically um any sort of like conversion or like trying to convert to a religion um i don't believe that that gets anyone anywhere mm -hmm. if that is your main goal main and number one goal yeah. so that's another important thing i always like to talk about when i explain like our organization it is a christian organization and we do um uh, worship with these people we do do bible studies with them but it is n not whatsoever evangelizing at all, whatsoever. And we are not there to convert anyone. Mm. Um, we're there to celebrate each other's faiths in whatever God. So yeah. that's really, really important to us.
something we're all doing together not it's not my parents it's not me mm-hmm. um it's just something we're all learning and growing with together what kind of advice would you give just to another human being in general or what is a great piece of advice that you've been told um just that you have learned a lot from or that you think is very valuable immediately when you when i saw this question um i thought of love in the english language we only have one word for love but in several love but in several other languages and even like ancient stuff like Latin and stuff like that, there's a different word for every type of love. Whether that be, you know, familial, friends, coworkers, objects, romantic partners, stuff like that. If I've learned anything from the people in Uganda, it's um, lit- just love. And I think that's so, so, so important. And if you go into a situation, you know, this is about to happen how can I love this person? Or how can I show love to these people? Like every piece of advice that someone could give you about being a good person or about being a successful person really boils down to, are you loving that other person or not? And what does that look like? Love should be unconditional. The people in Uganda consistently show unconditional love. And I mean that in the deepest sense of the word. They unconditionally love and have compassion for everyone they meet regardless of the person's background skin color age education experience etc um and so yeah are you loving another person thank, thank you. you so much claire for being on the share chair oh my gosh thank you for it's having been me so much fun that's this week's episode of the share chair podcast You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just pick your poison and I'm sure we're on it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another priceless story.